Welcome to the Future Is Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Tobis, and today we are celebrating the 100-year anniversary of Honeywell's listing on the New York Stock Exchange with a special interview with Honeywell's chairman and CEO, Darius Adamczyk. Over the last 100 years, Honeywell has built a legacy of innovation that has helped transform industries, improve business operations dramatically, and help create a more sustainable economy around the world. As you would expect, our pride in our past is is really just a prologue to what we expect to deliver for the world today and the years to come. And to help us think through this, I want to welcome Darius to the podcast. So Darius, welcome. Well, thank you, Joe. It's a pleasure to be invited and be part of your show. Thank you. So before I get into the 100 years, I think we we just had a, a recent announcement that we rejoined the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which is a, a leading index of 30 large companies listed on stock exchanges in the U.S. And there's been a lot of media and analyst analysis of what that means and the impact of the announcement. But I'm curious from you, what does it mean? Well, I, it's, it's a huge deal for Honeywell. I, I think that people may not really understand the significance because the companies that are selected as part of this distinct group of 30 represent the industry across all the various segments. And we're one of the very, very select few who are now representing U.S. business and uh, um, and uh, Dow index. And I think that that's quite an accomplishment. I think what's What's particularly exciting for us is, you know, we've got basically booted out of the index in 2008. We've made a comeback here in 2020. And I think that that's just goes to show how the world thinks of us, how the Dow thinks of us, how the other industries think of us. And to be part of this very, very elite club is, is exhilarating. I think it's a tremendous testament to the great job our colleagues have done over the course of many years to get us back as part of this elite club. Stepping back even further then, today we're celebrating the 100-year anniversary uh, of the listing on the stock exchange. And that means, Darius, you run a 100-year-old company. Now, tens of thousands of companies have come and gone in that century. Why do you think Honeywell's lasted so long? I think at the end of the day, it really just comes down to one thing. I mean, there's I'm sure many contributing factors, but but one overwhelming factor, which is you need to continue to reinvent yourself. You need to continue to disrupt yourself and go into new areas that we're pursuing, pursue things that maybe are outside of your comfort zone, anticipate where the world's going to be 10, 20, 30 years from now, and invest, have the courage to invest in these areas now even though you may not see any financial returns from them currently. I'm proud to say we're doing that. I mean, as you look at our breakthroughs, whether it's our sustainability, GBE that we recently formed, or UAB, UAM, GBE that we recently formed, I mean, these are not enormous profit revenue generating entities at the moment. I'm counting that in 5, 10, 20 years from now, these are going to be enormous businesses, which are going to be the foundational elements of Honeywell. And when my successor or my successor successors takes over, they're going to have something to celebrate, you know, 150 anniversary and 200. 
you've really put a lot of emphasis in growing, you call them greenhouse uh, businesses or breakthrough initiatives, one around sustainability and really growing that. And the other was unmanned aviation. What are we doing in in each of those areas? So maybe I'll start with sustainability. The good news about sustainability, this is not really anything new for Honeywell. I mean, we were the innovators in processes like green jet fuel or gasoline and so on. And, and frankly, you know, we just haven't had a lot of interest in our solutions, our processes that we already had. Now that interest is coming back and the market is seeing more demand. But that's nothing new. That's actually leveraging some of the world-class processes that we already had in our UOP business and now doing them in a different way. But we're doing much more than that, too. So we're doing research on battery technology, which is really going to enable a level of economics that's unprecedented in terms of renewable energy because it's still an issue. I mean, the cost of renewable energy, for the most part, is still higher than conventional energy generation. We can change that. Honeywell can change that equation, which is incredibly Interesting. And maybe the third area that I'm going to highlight, which is also incredibly uh, exciting and with the possibilities, you know, we are one of the people that actually do a lot of the processes that eventually add up to some of the water bottles, the PET and so on. But we're also working on the processes, which is going to recycle these same bottles, clean up our planet and drive reuse which I think is, is incredibly exciting. And I'm not talking about decades from now, but I'm literally talking about forming relationships where we'll start piloting some of these technologies measured in months, not, not years. So I think it's, a, it's an incredible new GBE. And it's really going to take Honeywell, UOP to the future in terms of the kind of impact we're going to have. And it shows it's indicative, as you said, of, of the types of investments we make knowing that it, it'll have both economic and environmental benefits for years to come. Precisely. And, you know, when it comes to UAVs or UAMs, again, that's, you know, we're kind of in the very first stage of that evolution. I mean, you know, to use a baseball term, we're probably in the um, top of the first inning. Uh, but you have to make investments now. And whether it's, you know, flight controls, whether it's some of the other mechanical um, aperture that we can provide. We want to play now. We're already partnering with numerous, numerous startups to provide them some of our technologies at a very different value point, at very different value drivers. That's why we formed Distinct GBE, because trying to do that within our current structure, which is very mature, very developed, frankly, has different value drivers for our customers. We wanted to create that distinction, delineation from the rest of the aerospace business to give us something new and different to pursue at a whole different pace. Because, you know, we have to move with speed because if you don't move with speed, you become irrelevant anyway. So those are those are just two examples across Honeywell. But we have countless others where early investors in something that doesn't generate a lot of revenue today. But we'll do so in the future. And obviously, quantum computing is, is in that same category. You know, the last six to eight months have really been unprecedented. The disruption to our world and economy and, and subsequent needs of our employees, our customers, communities. I'm curious how you think Honeywell has handled the current challenges that the coronavirus has created. And 
what did we do right? And maybe what are the things that you wish that you had anticipated sooner? Well, I think overall we've handled it well. I mean, I, I continue to be encouraged, continue to be inspired by the kind of response that Honeywell has had to this global crisis. I mean, whether it's the mask production, whether it's the sensor production for ventilators, whether it's a rapid response to the communities in need, whether it's our continuous innovation now, as we'll start move from you know getting back into the workplace and healthy building, healthy aircraft, remote operations for industrial facilities. I mean, we've never done this before, is that through a crisis, We've innovated so quickly and rapidly to now literally be offering solutions to many of our customers, current customers, who want to start to try to get back to normal. And I've been incredibly motivated by some of our own employees, some of our own engineers, global leaders, financial leaders, business leaders who've really came up with these great ideas. And ever since we've entered this crisis, which really was in mid-March, you know, I've been, I spent more time talking to my team about growth and innovation, which may sound totally counterproductive. And why would I talk about growth and innovation? Well, because that's something that in a crisis where our revenue disappeared so quickly, people just kind of take for granted. Well, I won't worry about revenue growth and innovation because there isn't any revenue to get. Well, that's precisely the wrong perspective. You have to pivot. You have to go where the business is versus not cry about where it's not because it's not going to come back for a little while. And you have to refocus the entire business in those areas. And I think the team, the entire community of Honeywell has done that extraordinarily well. I mean, obviously, the thing that's hard about this is we have had to do cost cuts. I mean, unfortunately, that happens in any kind of a recession like we're in right now. And those decisions are never easy. We try to preserve as many jobs as we can. But you know, frankly, some of these things are not temporary in nature. And although I'm 100% confident that aerospace business is going to come back, and I actually think it's going to come back sooner than most experts would talk about, it's not going to be measured in months. And, um, and obviously, you have to make some adjustments to make sure that we have the cost structure to support the level of business that, that we are currently seeing. But uh, I think that what's incredibly encouraging and, and motivating is the kind of innovation. You've mentioned to us as an organization in the last few months, age old comment of, you know, never waste a crisis in terms of accelerating some of the strategies. And I think you've definitely focused on the shift we're trying to make as a culture in Honeywell of agile and fail fast. Do you think that that's accelerated during COVID? Have we been able to drive that faster? And is that something you see as a, a critical success factor for Honeywell going forward, especially as we move into software and technology where that's kind of common and foundational? Oh, no question. I think the crisis has helped us to that extent. I mean, the things that we can now do or have done in weeks would have taken us months, if not years, whether it's the startup in our new manufacturing facilities, whether it's some of the innovation that we've developed for some of these healthy offerings. It's incredible when there's a crisis in place and people have to act quickly what's possible. You know, the big, the big challenge or I really opportunity for us is how do we maintain that level of speed and intensity and ability to act faster than we've ever had? 
once we get out of this COVID crisis. And I think that that's a real challenge for me and the leadership and the management team is how do we do that without necessarily having a crisis? But I always say that, and I, it's certainly true for me and it's true for in just about any leader at any level, which is you grow a lot more through a crisis than you do through good, good times. I mean, granted, I enjoy the good times a lot more. It's a lot less stressful. You don't have to make very painful decisions and it's just more fun. But in terms of personal development, leadership development, things that really prepare you for the future, it's the crises that really define a leader. I'm curious how you dealt with, how did you think through keeping people motivated, productive, keeping people thinking about the future now and when things come back to more of the normal environments that we work in? I think the first thing you have to do is you have to stay positive. I mean, you have to stay positive. You have to believe that the environment is going to get better, that there is going to be a solution for this crisis. And and I have, you know, and I think now it's underpinned by a bit more. You know, initially, it was a little more faith, you know, when we, when we were in April and May, and you kind of thought, well, you know, are we really going to come out of this and when? And is there going to be a medical solution? And, you know, you really had to kind of believe. You know, as we get into this now, I mean, I, I really strongly believe that some of the medical solutions are around the corner. I think it's going to be measured in certainly in months and not years. And you can see the kind of progress that's being made on vaccines and therapeutics. And, and I do keep up on this topic because it's really important for our business. I'm confident we're going to see something that's groundbreaking before the end of the year. Um, you know, in, in terms of just leading, I, I think, you know, you have to stay balanced. You have to stay calm. I mean, you have to be much more hands on. I mean, for a while, we I had a daily staff call with my team to get the business positioned. And we went from you know five days a week to three. Now we do it one time a week. And, you know, you kind of and you have to like just like any other part of leadership, you you have to exhibit all emotions, you know, motivation. You have to. Sometimes you have to encourage. Sometimes you have to, you know, get a little upset when, when people don't respond. It's, you know, I don't think leadership is just you use one emotion that works all. I, I think you have to figure out what mode your team is in or what mode that individual is in and use various motivational techniques to get them to, to either do things, to develop them, to help them move forward. And it's never one thing. You know, sometimes you want to give people the answers when they're really struggling. Sometimes you want to actually have them struggle to come up with their own answers. So, you know, I've, there's never one sort of side, one size fits all. And I try to adjust my leadership style to the situation. And sometimes through my leadership style, I'm really sending a broader message. Let me take a step back and, and talk a little bit about something I think that's really important to you, which is sustainability, which I think is a subject that very few hundred-year-old companies want to discuss. You've been the opposite. You want us to tell the story more and be out there telling our story on sustainability. Why? This is a, this is a great question, Joe, because we have a great story to tell that I think we've been far too shy in telling it. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, there's a couple of, you know, people think that Honeywell is this odd collection of businesses, which is not true. You know, there's a couple of things in common across all businesses. Number one is they're all technology businesses. So they're under technologies. We're not really in any commodity businesses. The second thing is for most of our businesses, there's an underlying theme around 
controls, right? Whether it's building controls, whether it's industrial controls, aircraft controls, uh, warehouse automation controls. I mean, that is something that weaves its way through our entire business. And when you drive controls and automation, you drive energy, you drive energy savings. And energy savings is one of the big things that Honeywell does. You know, whether it's saving jet fuel for aircraft or energy used in buildings or, you know, energy used in industrial plants, improving yields so you waste less material. Uh, it's a great story to tell. And then you combine it with some of the breakthrough innovation we've had in our past, like solstice molecule, which has less GWP impact than CO2. And you come to find out that we've had so much positive impact in on the world in terms of sustainability that I don't know of any other company that's done more. And then not only that, in terms of our own carbon footprint and our own energy efficiency, we've improved that by 80, 90% over the last decade plus. So, you know, not only are we talking about it and providing solutions to our external customers, we're doing the exact same thing in our own installations. And I think that's what really builds credibility is we're not just talkers, we're actually doers. And I think that's, that's something that I really value and respect. Let me get a little bit more about you, Darius. I know you're a, a big reader, an avid reader. What are you reading right now? Well, I'm reading a book that's probably really appropriate for this time. Um, title is, is Leadership in Turbulent Times by Doris Goodwin. So it's a really good read because it kind of takes some to three phases of leadership, you know, sort of as a child, kind of through their mid-career and some of the events that really impacted them. And then finally, the last section, which I'm about to get to, is a little bit more about, you know, their time in office and the kind of tough decisions and tough situations they've had to face. So Darius, we've gotten towards the end of our short podcast here. And what you don't know is that at the end of my podcast, I ask all of my guests the same three questions. At the risk of keeping my job, I'm going to ask you these same three questions as well. What did you want to be when you grew up? Well, it evolved. There's a couple of things. For a while, I wanted to be a pilot, uh, air, you know, fighter pilot. And then I wanted to be a history professor. So, so that one I kind of kept because I still like to read history books. So, you know, it's someplace back, back there deep. And when I retire, I, I'm, I'm guessing I'm going to really accelerate that part of my, uh, interest because frankly that's that's one of the things I regret. I probably don't have as much time to read as I'd love to. Second question, Darius, piece of technology that you can't live without. I think my family wish I could live without it. So let me start with that, which is my phone. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because it never leaves me. As a matter of fact, yesterday I, I had something to do outside for a couple hours and I forgot it. So I think it was the first time I've been without it for like more than two hours and ever since I can remember. And I don't view that as necessarily a positive, but, you know, obviously it's uh, I'd like to be responsive and, and really be reachable for obvious reasons. And uh, and it's frankly a piece of technology I would struggle to, to be without. Last one. And I, I think this one's an interesting view on personality, Darius. How many unread emails are in your inbox? right now very few under 100 under 10 and I, I don't like to sit wow. on 
Yeah, I, I just that's a, that's a pet peeve. I, you know, I think I like to be responsive. I expect that from my leaders, and I can't expect them to do something that I'm not doing myself. So as we celebrate 100 years, any comments that you want to share with Honeywell's employees or shareholders, others who are listening in? The first message is, is thank you. I mean, to, particularly to our employees who have done such a great job in getting us here. It's incredibly inspirational to see what we've done over the last 100 years and the kind of impact we've had on society, on innovation, on progress. And uh, now are going to have even more impact on the planet in a very favorable way going forward. It, I, you know, I'm I'm continuously humbled to be able to lead this great company and uh, and just dream about what's possible for the next hundred years. I'm very encouraged by the kind of impact we're going to have for the next hundred years, and I'm sure our all of our employees want to have that impact. And I think what's uh, what's particularly encouraging to me is that. Our employees are starting to feel it and see it, and it's reflected in how they feel about our company because it is truly a great company, one that's going to continue to innovate, continue to grow, continue to evolve, and I'm going to challenge it to continue to do so. So I'm thrilled and I'm looking forward to the future, but I'm very much proud of the past as I hope all of our employees are. Darius, thanks so much for joining us today. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Future Is. This episode concludes our second season. And if you like what you heard, leave us a five-star review where you get your podcasts and go back and listen to all the podcasts that preceded this one. And don't forget to subscribe to go behind the scenes of future technology. 